The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James, it's time to listen to One Nation The power of the This is Mike Semper from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, This is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me What's going on, everyone? This is your host, Rich Latta, and this is One Nation Radio. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in this week. And if you're watching this video, you're seeing all the crazy hair everywhere. It's going to be one of the last times I'm going to be able to wear it out, so I'm kind of enjoying it right now before I get um, these dreads started uh, this weekend. So y'all will be able to see that uh, process as well. Um, remember... Um, you know, we got a lot to go over today, um, but before we do that, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Social Suplex Podcast Network if you're seeing this on YouTube, and you check out all our other great shows, The Outsider's Edge with Rance and Carl, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, as well as Keeping It Strong Style for New Japan and Grown Men Watch This Shit with Chris Bryan and Jeremy Tate. So, um... Our ratings, you know, they're very important. If you can and you're watching this video, please hit the like button. Hit the subscribe so you don't miss any videos from One Nation Radio and whatever else I'm putting out, whether it's music or sports talk or anything like that. Um, remember, um, as I said about the ratings, we like five-star ratings, likes, everything. We're independent uh, podcast network, and we need your help to get it moving. So um, before we get to the first topic uh, today... Uh, I just want to give a shout out for those of you that heard the podcast version, had Jordan Grace bless us with a drop for uh, the beginning of it, so shout out to Jordan Grace, she, I was at Shine over the weekend, uh, all women's promotion that runs here in Tampa, Florida, and it was a good show, and just thank you Jordan for, for that, and you know I think you guys are going to see her um, on the big stage, if not you know this year, next year, year after, but she'll be there uh, for sure, uh, so Let's take a quick pause and then we'll be back to talk about WWE Evolution. So first, we're going to start with the big news this week. Uh, perhaps, you know, the biggest announcement coming uh, aside from, you know, most of the SummerSlam card leaking out. WWE Evolution will be coming at us in October. The all-women's pay-per-view first time happening in WWE history. Um, I'm not sure if WWE is marketing as 
that exactly or if, if they're saying, hey, this is the first women's pay-per-view ever. You can never be too sure with those guys. But it was a big moment that, you know, a lot of people saw coming. It was reported on by a lot of different outlets, but still had to be made official. Happy for the female superstars of WWE that are going to get this chance to be on this show. And they're going to be bringing back legends. They're going to have NXT, folks, Raw, SmackDown. So, they, they can't fuck it up, essentially. So, they need to pull out all the stops. They need to have the blow-away matches. They need to fix everything that's wrong with the women's division. We'll get into that a little bit later. But um, it basically started with Triple H uh, wanting the women to know how much the male superstars truly supported them. He talked about how much the WWE Universe supported the women uh, as they do every single night. He got emotional and, you know, he watched them steal the show again and again. And he wanted to let them know that he was proud of them. Uh, From there, Stephanie said those moments uh, don't just happen because of opportunity, incredible talent, or someone deeming them important. They happen because all of us deem them important, meaning everybody, the fans, um, and worthy of what we love. Um, She said that fans demanded more opportunities for the women of WWE. Once again, uh, Stephanie told the story of how the women's revolution began with a hashtag. Of course, we're not going to go into AJ Lee's role in this because that's that was not, you know, that has been written out of history. Um, she said because of all that, the divas became superstars that they were born to be. Uh, and she went on and said the uh, women's evolution and announced the, the word evolution uh, like Triple H's old stable for Sunday, October 28th. There's going to be more than 50 women from the past and the present. And, you know, it was a big stand ovation and emotional moment for everyone. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be an awesome show. WWE isn't going to set themselves up with an opportunity with the women when they know they have to hit a home run and not come through. Um, Like the Royal Rumble this year was very fun. Ronda Rousey's debut was perhaps like the most important, you know, thing a woman has done this year uh, at WrestleMania. That whole thing went went through uh, very well. Uh, the Ronda Rousey-Nia Jax match, you know, until Alexis cash-in was excellent. So I expect them to use the whole roster. Hopefully we can get some dream match scenarios, whether it's, you know, taking someone from NXT, making them fight someone from Raw, doing SmackDown versus Raw, uh, Legend versus current person, maybe a Legends match. Uh, we saw Mickey James issue she was a challenge to Trish. So hopefully it's not a whole thing where the past just overruns everything. But there's a lot of different options for the show. You go Sasha versus Trish, which will call back from the Royal Rumble. You can go Mickey versus Sasha. You can do Charlotte versus Sasha. You can Oh, I'm saying Sasha a lot. You can clearly see uh, the boss is where it's at. But you can bring up Bianca Belair, Shayna Baszler. Rousey's, of course, going to be involved. So there's going to be a lot of you know uh, things to kind of do uh, with this show. And fuck it, why not stop? Like, let's use all the women referees. They just hired a second one, so maybe if they can hire, like, two more, they can get, like, a women's refereeing crew. I I know, like, like, let's get them paid like the dudes are getting paid. All that money that they have, there's no reason that if these women are going to be drawing and having their own shows at this point, maybe this is a step to that because that's, I think, the key. It's real nice to dress it up as a a marketing tool and initiative for, uh, you know, women's equality and all that, but... Let's make them paychecks equal, too. So and I, I think that it will, will show the real evolution. So, But I would be remiss if I'm not going to keep it real with y'all. Like, like I'm going to keep it real with y'all. Like, this women's division has problems right now. Alexa Bliss and Carmella. 
they cannot be the champions going into this, having their bullshit matches. Um, WWE has fallen right into the trap of having chicken shit champions on on both brands, whose heat is that they that they basically suck essentially, and all it does is you know draw further from what they're touting as this revolution that's happened. What is happening is the Divas division, and we've we've gone through it here on the show week after week, detailing. You know how I felt about Alexa Bliss's repeated dominance over Monday Night Raw. Just clear insanity. Um, when we've seen what Carmella has done in her time as champion, she's gone over Charlotte and Asuka, who's basically like finished now. Uh, one can only hope that Becky Lynch can grab that belt and start returning that belt, you know, to a state of prestige rather than just you know something that gets booked with one star matches and fuck finishes. Um, so I, I hope that WWE can, like, repair what they have going on, in a sense. Am I confident in it? We'll see. Because they haven't really given me a great reason to be confident about a whole lot, as we'll get into later. But this is a huge moment for women's wrestling. If you came out here and you typed, um, you know, stuff on Twitter, like, where's the all-men's pay-per-view, which... I don't know how many people actually did that. I don't. I didn't know if there was a situation where people were making up straw men to yell at for likes and retweets. But if that actually did happen, um, I just that, that's such a lack of self awareness. It's just stupid. And I think you should learn how to be happy for the you know women's wrestlers. Even you know I and but my only wish is that they book it right the, the right way. And, you know, essentially in WWE, we don't even know what that is anymore when it comes to the right way because their pay-per-views don't go over well at all. So if they're able to get this one to go over well, I'm almost going to take it uh, however I can get it at this point. But I'd like it to be great. Like, I'm cool with good. I'm definitely not cool with not good. But I'd love for it to be great because... I know the the work that's gone into building this thing back from 2014, and this division has not been the same since like the end of the Charlotte and Sasha feud. Once they that finished and they started introducing you know all the other people into it, just hasn't been the same. Hopefully, evolution is the kick in the ass to get them back to that point. Because if not. Woo! I'm not holding back. We are going to really get into it. And as y'all know, I will light some shit up on fire and not fuck off with it. But happy to see WWE Evolution happens happening. Um, probably Ronda Rousey will be in the main event. It'll be interesting to see how it's going to draw. It's in Long Island, Nassau Coliseum in New York. Not the easiest place to get to uh, for people in the city and the surrounding areas. I have a feeling that... Um, there's going to be a lot of fly-ins for people that want to be a part of this. So I hope they, they go all out. Let's get Renee Young on commentary. Uh, I need Charlie Caruso in a position of power. I need JoJo. I need them to bring back Lillian Garcia. I need all this shit. Bring back Mike McGurk if she's around. So, so Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar was confirmed Monday night when Roman Reigns defeated Bobby Lashley. Um, and we are headed to Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar again. This match is the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing and asking for different results. And all this is is the same match that was the most hijacked match in WWE history in you know, comparison to its situation at WrestleMania 34. But they're literally 
putting a stake in front of hounds by putting it in Brooklyn, New York at SummerSlam, potentially in the main event. Who am I kidding? Of course it's the main event because Samoa Joe and AJ Styles have no chance in hell at main eventing over those guys, even with the WWE Championship with all the lineage and the fresh matchup. Nah, they're not going to do that. But has anything changed since WrestleMania? Or is it worse? Because, you know, if we start with Roman Reigns, is Roman Reigns really any better off right now than he was going into WrestleMania? Where he got his head bust open, where he was beaten clean, where his career was infinitely altered forever. Essentially, like, not doing that on that stage and having him walk out of WrestleMania looking like a beaten, broken man who is not at the level below Brock Lesnar. Then... They make them, you know, they do this whole rematch in the steel cage, and it's like a one-star match. It's just a pretty much a, a lesser version of the WrestleMania match that got shat on, essentially. And they came out here and did a disputed finish in a cage match, which kind of lends to the theory that all cage matches are awful and need to be abolished. Um... And they do the thing where he spears Brock Lesnar out of the cage, so he's the uncrowned champion. And then they're sticking him in these angles with Jinder Mahal. Completely sends him out to Chicago. They told you what this is going to be like. This is going to be the same thing for Reigns no matter where he goes. So they did the thing with Lashley where they had him lose to Lashley at Extreme Rules. And then the very next week get the win right back. And I've heard people try to argue that those are two separate programs. You can't judge them as such. I said it last week on One Nation Radio and possibly the week before. They were scared shitless to make that a number one contender match on pay-per-view. Because why? They knew Roman Reigns would come out here and get shit on for Bobby Lashley. Or just shit on, period. Because Lashley is kind of on the lower end of opponents that folks have, you know, that have been put in there with Roman. How pretty much you'll go crazy for them. He's on the lower end of that for the faces. And, you know, it's not necessarily his fault. Lashley's still getting his footing back in WWE. He wasn't really over going into it. And, you know, he looks a little bit better. But looking at the SummerSlam card, he's nowhere to be found right now. So... With Roman Reigns getting the shot again, it's like, bro, we've seen this program. It's tired. You guys missed the peak, and you guys are just going over and over to feed some sick obsession that you must have Roman Reigns defeat Brock Lesnar. And for his career, yes, he does need to do that, but he needed to do that at WrestleMania. He needed to do that when Lesnar was at a point, he was at the height, essentially, of... Okay, he's the champion, but we are sick of him. But still, there's something there. Since WrestleMania has come and gone, Lesnar has looked like... It's, it's looked like... And I, I mentioned this uh, when they were going into WrestleMania. They assassinated Brock Lesnar's character to the point now where he has go-away heat. We don't want to see him. We don't want to see Reigns. Anything like that. So, when you look at it from Lesnar's perspective, he showed up in the UFC... But no one really remembers that anymore. WWE barely even talked about it. Um, and then it's just like he's a guy that everyone, they don't give a fuck whether this guy throws the belt in the trash, sends it back in a FedEx, or they don't care if he loses to fucking Kurt Hawkins uh, at SummerSlam. It's like, yo, they've completely murdered the heat and the intrigue by this. The bestest angle ever was was going into WrestleMania 31 when... 
Lesnar had re-signed on ESPN, they made that match a big deal because it was like, hold on. Lesnar just doesn't automatically have to lose. And it was the most intriguing there. And they've tried to recapture that energy ever since. It's not fucking happening. Because we we passed the peak. They missed the time to do it. And they have had cold feet with Roman Reigns over and over. Because they are afraid of this guy getting rejected. Over and over and over again. This guy. <laughs> I've never seen Vince McMahon be so stubborn. But... We're at the point where none of it literally matters. So you guys know this. We're at the point where they just are going to do what they want and, you know, beat it into your skulls that Roman Reigns is the top star for this generation. They had him cutting uh, this little promo this week where they had him saying he's the most decorated guy. You talk about being crammed down your throats. This is why. And I've seen folks say, you know, Roman Reigns is losing in the mid-card. All those losses that he's taking in the mid-card or anything like that, that is WWE's booking philosophy of, see, Roman Reigns isn't being given everything. That's exactly what it is. No one's stupid here. No one's not trying to figure this out. No one hasn't figured it out. So, what they're doing is, you know, when the big events come, like WrestleMania, like SummerSlam, who's right there? Roman Reigns. So, when he misses one of those, maybe I'll believe you. Some of the other feuds on the card stand as such. Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. Now, these guys are no stranger to each other. For those of you that are fans of Impact Wrestling, formerly known as TNA, don't want to piss off my boy Caleb Baldwin, who's probably listening to this. Uh, So I want to refer to it as such. Uh, But these guys are no strangers. They have history with each other. Hopefully, that's explored in the feud. Um, Basically, they did an announcement... uh, where it was, you know, kind of, sta- kind of, you know, I they haven't done this in a while. So they had Paige and AJ Styles in the ring, and she was, you know, building it up like he was going to have a special challenger. All of a sudden, James Ellsworth's music hit, which was absolutely hilarious. But if you guys remember the history between AJ Styles and James Ellsworth, he came out there and said he's three and zero against AJ Styles and always beat him. And of course, you know, he had the uh, the ladder match victory, the disqualifications, the countouts, the fuck finishes, all that stuff. And that was like pretty fun how they did it, and it ended up uh, Ellsworth being fired. So who knows if we'll see worth around for a while so hopefully he'll come back one day but they threw in the process of them throwing Ellsworth out of the building Samoa Joe like came uh, you know the man emerged from the crack smoke essentially and <laughs> came and put AJ Styles in the coquina clutch and was choking him out and we have finally got the long-awaited Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles match now do I trust these motherfuckers after what they did to Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles? No, I do not. Why? Because we can't trust them. They've proven this to us time and time again. Instead of letting these people go out there and have great matches and all that, they want to inject their fuck-ass storytelling, which turned the last feud that AJ Styles was in uh, with a high, you know, kind of a, you know, like someone say a dream, a dream match. And of course, that's what WWE said. That's what all of us felt. They turned that into a dick-kicking contest. So... Hopefully, and one can only hope, that they resist the urge to do the same type of deal here. They don't come out here and bullshit these guys to get the angles over and mute the wrestling. I want to see AJ Styles and Samoa Joe turn the fucking clock back and 
make this shit TNA in 2005. I heard so many great things about these guys uh, and what they used to do with each other in TNA. But this title match, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't feel like it's going to go on last. It is not Vince McMahon's main event. His main event is clearly Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. So maybe this is the people's main event. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um... I'm kind of anticipating a title switch. Styles has held that belt for a while. Um, You could buy into the theory that they don't want to take it off him with the video game coming out and he's on the cover. I don't know. I'd have to take a look at the cover to see if he's on there with the belt. If that's the case, then maybe you buy into that. But I personally don't think they book around the video games. So they have room here to get the belt on Samoa Joe and to turn him into a dominant heel champion that has good matches. Kind of a novel concept, a foreign concept essentially in WWE, where they like to put the belt on folks and the heat is that they suck. Looking at you, Carmella. Um, So maybe she'll flame me on Twitter all that. So whoever wants to send that to her, she can uh, bring it over here and I will take the traffic. So... Um, the cool thing about it is, you know, for folks that haven't seen TNA, is that AJ Styles and Samoa Joe's are, you know, relatively fresh feud. Like, like it's been so long, and you know, this is a completely, you know, new thing to a whole new set of eyes. Um, there, like I said, there's no chance of it main eventing, but uh, imagine telling a fan of Impact that this would be the main event of SummerSlam 2018. They would have probably, or the WWE Championship match. Um, let me put that in its proper perspective. Um, to an Impact fan back in, you know, last decade. They would have thought you were crazy. So, um, from there, Daniel Bryan and The Miz. So, they're doing one of the big matches that everyone's wanted to see with Daniel Bryan and The Miz. Um, Very excited about it. Are the angles coming through right now? I'm not sure. The whole thing um, with the throwing the baby, it looked a little hokey to me. I'm not going to front. But Daniel Bryan versus The Miz is a big money match, and I'm glad it's happening now. Um, no reason to stretch that out to WrestleMania because, A, we don't know if Daniel Bryan's going to resign. B, Bryan needed something big because the whole team held no thing. That's just done with. And, of course, we don't need him stuck with guys similar to that big cast level, and cast is no longer around right now, but I don't need to see Daniel Bryan fighting guys that either A, he can't have a great storyline with, or B, can't have a great match with. So that's why I was pushing Andrade San Almas for Daniel Bryan so hard previously, but The Miz, that's a big match, that is a money match, and I think that uh, eventually, if even if the storyline doesn't come through uh, with the segments, because it looked very cartoony and hokey, um, last uh, last night on SmackDown, what they need to do is find a way to get it back to that 2016 level where it was just it looked like it should have been the main event of WrestleMania. Um, it was so hot, so heated, and had the internet so on fire. The energy has not been the same, and, and you have to question uh, if that booking that Daniel Bryan was given over those you know first couple months uh, when you know fighting. Big cast on pay-per-view, reforming Team Hell No, had, you know, something to do with the heat feeling a little low on this. But it's only the first week, essentially, um, or last week. They started with the eulogy, which was really funny. Uh, This week, it was kind of funny in its own way, but it's not, hey, I want to put my hand in my pocket to hand you money for this. Like, it's not that. It's like, okay, they have a match coming, and they're doing a couple things. So I need to see the fiery promo. I need to see The Miz feeling like, 
he's been overlooked, feeling like he needs to prove something for the, to this guy and show that he never thought he would get this opportunity again because of Brian's health. But now he's going to end this motherfucker for good. I want to see that. Uh, I want to see Darren Bryan saying, hey, you know, I didn't know I was going to be able to come back, but I've hated you from the moment we've been linked to each other in 2010. 2016, I wanted to put my fist through your face, and I finally have the opportunity and just draw it all the way out, let these dudes pull the guns out and shoot and do exactly what these guys can do. Take hell, make them do talking smack again. Bring that shit back for them. So, however you need to do this, get this shit hot because... If they do this Daniel Bryan versus The Miz in a substandard fashion, I believe you are going to hear about it, not only from me, but in fans, from fans in our, you know, arenas worldwide. Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I hope Ronda squashes her in 10 seconds. Alexa shouldn't be wearing the belt anyway. Moving on, um, Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens was confirmed. And I dropped a video on the YouTube channel about six minutes long explaining this theory that I had with Braun Strowman with him getting into a match with Kevin Owens where he can lose the briefcase via countout or disqualification. So, the theory is that Braun Strowman is getting fucked again. And not only is he getting fucked again, he's already started getting fucked. He's already been moved out the way. So the whole reason that Braun Strowman was not in the mini tournament, the one we were given, was he had the money in the bank briefcase. And he can do whatever he wanted to at any time. So they have the tournament they put it on Roman Reigns and, you know, they confirm that match and they shoot Reigns back to the title. So what happens to Strowman? He loses a match with it, even though he really destroys the guy and throws him off the cage. He gets back into it with that guy and somehow he gets suckered into putting the briefcase on the line and he can lose this shit, get no opportunity at the belt. Kevin Owens can cash that shit in because you know they love doing chicken shit heel champions and they will turn Kevin Owens into that when he can be a monster and they'll have Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns because you can kind of do that as a main event more because going back to Reigns and Strowman right now feels not, it feels too fast to go back to that. So I could see them putting Strowman in a position where he loses the briefcase, gets all this anger again and rampages back through everyone on Monday Night Raw but the point still remains. He is not the champion. Despite how over that he gets every time, they move him out the way for Roman Reigns. Just like they did around the Royal Rumble. When they put him in that triple threat match, when they knew he could not win the Royal Rumble. When they knew Brock Lesnar was not booked for um, Elimination Chamber. And they knew Monday Night Raw had to have the Elimination Chamber match. So what did they do? They put Braun Strowman in there. Had him go over five guys after not taking the pin in the triple threat match. So, so and then they stuck him with a 10-year-old child. And from there, Strowman's... He has been hot, but it's definitely not the same as it was in 2017 where people were just frothing at the mouth for him to defeat Brock Lesnar. People wanted that guy to be the guy to beat Lesnar, not Roman Reigns. And this is already happening. So you guys should pay attention to that. Um, Just saying, if, you know, he could fully go over uh, Kevin Owens and destroy him and keep the briefcase. But 
don't be surprised if this happens because I, I feel like I'm, I'm seeing their booking happening in front of my eyes while I'm trying to get you, everyone to look at it like LeBron uh, getting J.R. Smith uh, to be like, you know, like, what the fuck, man? Look at it. Can't you see the situation? Don't you realize what's happening? That's what I feel like right now. But we will see. Um, Becky Lynch and Carmella is also locked in as a match uh, for SummerSlam. Now... Carmella just need to lose his belt straight up. She sucks. She's terrible. She's even worse than Alexa Bliss. Um, she's insecure. She might be the worst pro wrestler on the planet right now. I never thought I'd uh, say someone is is like a level under Jinder Mahal. I never thought that I would say, hey, I'd rather watch an Alexa Bliss match instead. Then, you know, Carmella coming out here and doing God knows what with the SmackDown Women's title. Um, Becky Lynch has been on fire lately. It would have been nice for her to win the belt, um, you know, Tuesday on SmackDown, but instead she beat her in a non-title match, which leaves the door open for all types of fuckery to happen in Brooklyn. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully Becky can put her right back in the armbar, tap her out, and get the blue belt on her as we go into WWE Evolution. And Becky Lynch being the champion opens up the door for a bunch of possibilities, including Becky versus Charlotte, including an interpromotional match, maybe someone from NXT challenging. However you want to run this. Asuka and Becky, if you can rebuild Asuka in that amount of time. So, um, in Seth Rollins against Dolph Ziggler. Why? Because time is a flat circle. Uh, and everything leads back to Dolph or Seth Rollins being in the opening match for the Intercontinental title. Now, I've heard some argue that, you know, the counting and all that ruins Seth Rollins' chances to be a main eventer. I'm not believing that for a minute. This was always going to be Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Why? Because it's always Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. They're not going to let Seth Rollins go over um, uh, Brock Lesnar. They're not going to let Braun Strowman go over Brock Lesnar. So why in the fuck would, would, would Seth get that opportunity? So this was going to happen no matter what. Unfortunate for Seth because they're looking at him with the old Stone Cold and Dusty Rose. That's not for you, baby. So what he's been forced to do to be is the best opening match wrestler in the world. And I wouldn't be shocked if this opens uh, SummerSlam. Uh, I'd like to see him fight McIntyre on pay-per-view instead of Dolph. But I guess they don't want to beat McIntyre. And, you know, Seth is protected to a certain degree. Maybe he gets the title back. Maybe not. He feels above it. But he's stuck in no man's land right now until he can, you know... Hope that Roman wins the title and be able to fight him for the belt because there's no way in fuck that they're putting him in there with Brock Lesnar. Um, a lot of rematches. You know, we obviously have seen Dan Bryan versus The Miz, not under these circumstances. Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens, Becky and Carmella, literally a rematch from the other day. Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler match was hijacked last time. And of course, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, part 75, where WWE won't stop banging themselves in the head. Hopefully, they can just get the shit over with and just put the belt on Roman because the world is tired of waiting uh, for this arc, this mythical victory that that beating Brock Lesnar will be for Roman Reigns. Uh, everyone's sick of waiting for this, and this being the arc of WWE. Even though, you know, Brock Lesnar got whooped by Goldberg and pinned one, two, three. We're not supposed to remember that or anything. So I want to talk about um, a promotion that I haven't really ever talked about here on One Nation Radio. Why? Because I've never had a reason to and never really watched it too close. But 
Impact Wrestling, I caught their Slammiversary show over the weekend, and needless to say, I felt like I saw the rebirth of a promotion where they basically shed the skin and the years of shit that was laid on top of them all in one night with hardcore matches, with fatal four-way matches, with great women's matches, and a spectacular main event. Um, going through the card, one can only give all the credit in the world to Don Callis and Scott Namore for what they're doing with Impact Wrestling. Um, it felt like not a TNA show. It felt like a major league show that a lot of you know people should really check out. And if you guys aren't willing to give it a, a go, this is not the same company. This is not Dixie Carter. This is not Jeff Jarrett. This is not the absolute booking fuckery of that of Vince Russo. This is something completely different. It is you know pro wrestling that is emotional. It's adult and it's spectacular and it's athletic and one thing that you're gonna see is clean finishes and we saw that in the main event with Austin Aries and Moose where Aries just looked like a great territorial world champion going into a town and wrestling their top guy who's an athlete who may be a little rough around the edges you know as far as like his in-ring ability but this guy Moose is incredible this is the first time I saw him wrestle and I heard he used to be in the NFL Ring of Honor different places and you know he hasn't really had the most stellar performance reputation but I would have never known that just watching that main event um you know in the beginning we had Petey Williams Johnny Impact Taj Mori of the Bullet Club and Phoenix in a four-way this was every crazy match Fatal four-way that you've ever seen in your life. And very exciting. P. Williams replaced Rich Swan at the last moment. Um, so I would have liked to see Swan get that chance. But unfortunately, he wasn't there. Um, Impact got the win. You know, he's the guy that's being pushed in that promotion as a big deal. In their X division, uh, we saw Tessa Blanchard and Allie. Um, probably the best women's match in, w- in North America s- since the WWE match with Asuka and Charlotte. Obviously, what Asuka and Carmella are doing is nowhere near on the level that we got with Tessa Blanchard and Allie. Definitely, um, Tessa Blanchard's kind of changed her look up. She's been in the gym, hard body, so she's like, you know, getting the arms, the guns are showing. And she's looking like an athletic, like, superstar, essentially. So the push has begun for Tessa Blanchard going to the top. If you guys haven't checked that out, please do. From there, we saw Eddie Edwards and Tommy Dreamer. Now, Eddie Edwards and Tommy Dreamer, I'm not really too familiar on all the um, background and all that, but um, they basically have turned this into Eddie Edwards being obsessed with Tommy Dreamer and thinking Tommy Dreamer wanted to fuck his wife or whatever. So these guys had a crazy-ass hardcore match. Why Tommy Dreamer is having great matches in 2018, I'll never know. Um... It was like, it was crazy. Like, we heard the ECW chance. We saw Tommy Dreamer get handed an ECW world title. We saw the kendo sticks. We saw these dudes going through tables. It was nuts. We, we saw the bumps on chairs. I can't believe that I saw Tommy Dreamer in a match like that. Little And the cool thing about all these matches were they flowed. They were in and out. They were 10, 11 minutes unless they needed to go longer for a particular reason. And another cool thing about this show was... They gave you the real backstories in great video packages. Now, sometimes the video packages on a WWE show, for example, which are excellent in their own right, they're only so long. 
but I felt like I had a lot more to catch up with, and this may be annoying for longtime viewers, but those things are so well produced. I would say these things were like four or five minutes long between matches explaining to you why you need to care, and that's like a mini movie in itself with the pre-video and the match. That is excellent. Um... And it just all felt really important, really changed, and the commentary was excellent all night. Matt Seidel and Brian Cage had a great match for the X Division Championship. Uh, Brian Cage got the victory in just under 10 minutes, and this was a really athletic big guy fighting a really athletic small guy. And going for it, both of them, both sides, just amazing athleticism all around, just the, the kind of wrestling that I love personally. From there, you know, we saw Sue Young and Madison Rain. That didn't really go too long. It was about six or seven minutes. Sue Young's doing this, you know, the Undead Bride gimmick. It's not for everyone. I'll say that. But um, I've seen Sue Young in matches in Shine. I actually saw her um, at Shine this past week against uh, Kimberly, and kind of like a it was a hardcore match, I believe. So they were fighting everywhere, and I've seen her in a match against Madison Eagles. So she can really go um, for the character she's doing right now on TV. It's not really lending itself to that. So. Um, not in this match, at least. But maybe when her and Tessa Blanchard are eventually matched up, and I'm sure they will be, uh, that'll be something to look forward to for the Knockouts Championship. Uh, from there, we got the video package with Conan and these guys, the old LAX versus the new LAX. And if you guys have not checked this out, please do. These dudes are... <laughs> it's its a whole... You know, the backstory on it. Conan basically used to be with the OGs. Now he's with the... Um, the young guys, I, I assume, not. I'm a little if, iffy on the details. So it was a street fight for the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Titles. It was one of the best tag team matches of the year, hardcore match. So no rules. We saw tables. We saw dudes diving. We saw just absolute amazing storyline, amazing violence, amazing wrestling. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I would probably give it a four and a half out of five and. You know, from there, they, they did, like, they had tax in there. They had um, just a million. You know, you need to see it. So, um, Sammy Callahan and Pentagon only took it a level higher because this was a mass versus hair match. Good thing I'm not in one of those because I'd have a lot of hair to lose. Um, we saw a package pile driver onto the chairs. The only thing I didn't really like about this match was I thought that should have been the finish rather than them going back into it. But they had you for a moment thinking Pentagon was about to lose his mask in this pr promotion to this guy, this asshole. So Callahan, not really a fan, but he kind of won me over in this match. I've never really saw it in him until this match. Um, these guys didn't give a fuck about each other. Like, they beat the holy living hell and this match followed the other two hardcore matches so it was it was really back and forth the whole time pentagon is a guy that is not to be fucked with he is about that life and permanently with the smoke and this match it just felt like oh my god it was during this match where i feel like this company has completely turned a corner and this is feeling like one of the best shows of the year and slammiversary really was one of the best shows of the year um right up there with some of the big new japan shows like it's not a dominion it's not a sakura genesis it's not a wrestle kingdom but after that you're talking about royal rumble or slammiversary i feel like for fourth maybe so um 
you know, Pentagon eventually won the match, kept his mask, and they shaved Sammy Callahan down. They did a whole bunch of arm break spots, so they had blood, which was nuts. I haven't seen blood in a long time. And, you know, this led to the main event that I spoke about earlier with Austin Aries and Moose. Austin Aries being the, you know, consummate ring general and getting the clean victory, even though he was a heel, having a great match. Uh, I really enjoyed this because it looked like uh, how I would imagine Ric Flair versus Lex Luger went back in like 88 or something. When Luger was this prospect with all this athleticism that uh, Luger literally had to, or excuse me, um, Austin Aries or Flair literally just had to bump around Luger. And while it wasn't to that extent with Aries, because I felt like Moose is a little bit more than Luger was in the ring at this point, this is... I don't. I, I couldn't think of a better way to end the show, and it followed every single thing. So, if you guys have not seen uh, Slammiversary before, too much time passes, and they get into their next storylines. Carve yourself out some time on a Sunday. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. Major shout out to Don Callis, who liked my tweet. I said, get this man, Don Callis, some cocaine for tonight. And he liked it, earning the nickname Cocaine Callis. So, uh, shouts out to those guys. And I will be tuned into Impact Wrestling on Thursday on Pop TV. So, um, if, you know, I pretty much, I go where the heat is. If they're doing great wrestling here, I'm going to talk about it. If they're doing sorry wrestling in one place, I'm not going to talk about it. Or I am going to talk about it and tell you how terrible it is impact earned its way onto the show this week and i have no reservation i have no issue uh praising them when necessary so um if you guys want to check that out please the last thing i want to talk about this week on one nation radio is a continuation of what um i was talking about last week on one nation radio and that's hulk hogan uh james joined me for a show along with simon cotton of sportskeeda.com as we talked on monday night the show dropped wednesday uh about everything that had to do with hogan as far as you know our feelings on everything and I only feel worse now a week later because some of the details of his apology came out and how it was framed not only by Hogan but WWE executives as kind of a, you know, beware of social media issue. A beware someone may be recording you issue rather than my vile racism caused all this. So one person that in particular that agreed with me and has come out and gone on record and done interviews about this and released a statement with Titus O'Neil, who is rapidly moving up my, you know, the the amount of respect I have for Titus O'Neil for saying this in public is infinite. So he was on Busted Open Radio with Mark Henry and another gentleman, and Titus pretty much laid it out on the table that Hulk Hogan's apology was bullshit. And he didn't say it in those words, but he may as well have. And I stand behind Titus 100% because this is not a social media issue. This is a, yo, you are being a racist. Apologize for what you actually did. Apologize for that. And don't make this a reclamation project because none of those folks want to be involved with it. So... Some of the stuff Titus said, it was very poignant, and then it just flat out just completely dismantled this guy. So I'm going to read it off here. He was like, this is not about second or third chances. This is about a man making a decision to make statements that he truly felt in his heart, and he believes at that time that he may not feel that way now, and he may regret it, but to come out and say, I didn't know I was being recorded, and be careful what you say, and I don't remember saying that stuff. When you start out an apology like that, Dude, you lost it already. 
he wanted I wanted to give him a chance. I didn't know what that meeting was about going into it, but I wanted to give him a chance. He legitimately screwed all that up again because it's not about making a mistake. It's not a mistake. You're talking about historically using language and saying things that a lot of people in our business unfortunately have said in the past. Although our business has come a long way from where it used to be, there are still some people in this business that speak that way that aren't recorded. So Hulk Hogan or Terry Bollea is not the only person that have used those type of comments. I know that for a fact. And he went on from there in saying, you know, uh, Hogan is basically the one dealing with these because he was caught in the act. And he said that Hogan's apology should be more than just words because genuine actions are needed as well. Um, he said he was the one who was exposed using those comments. So he's the one that needs to handle the situation publicly on a consistent basis with his apology. His apology doesn't need to be in words. Titus would rather not it be in words. He'd rather it be in action. Um, because honestly, all the words have been all over the place uh, since it came out. As I covered in my column, as I covered in One Nation Radio last week with James and Simon, this guy has all lives mattered. His apologies completely absolved himself from responsibility at every turn. So, from there, the the thing was, uh, you know, Hogan basically said something in an interview in 2015 where he said, quote, people need to realize that you inherit certain things from your environment and where i grew up was south tampa port tampa and it was a really rough neighborhood very low income all my friends we greeted each other saying that word now titus o'neill said i'm from tampa you're lying and that hogan's school is not racially diverse he said first of all you grew up in the 60s i don't know any black man that would let you call him that in the 1960s you grew up in south tampa you went to robinson high school I live in Tampa. Robinson High School was not a predominantly black school in the time that he went to high school. Most of the guys that, you know, he wrestled with, Mike Graham, Eddie Graham's kid, Steve Kern, all those guys went to high school with him. So don't tell me that's how you spoke in the 60s. There's no realistic way that you can even come close to telling me that was okay with any black man at that time. So again, the inconsistencies of the apology, along with the lack of remorse and contrition with the apology, are the reason why I felt in many others felt at that meeting that this was a complete waste of our time and I could not agree with Titus O'Neil more because Hulk Hogan has proved himself to be someone that is a consummate worker and he is a racist as he said you know not us even though we can say that now because we can agree with him and all he's done since he's shown that you know since his you know reinstatement and everything and the apology tour is None of this is contrite, contrite, and it matches up with other sorry apologies that racists have given over time. So, when Hulk Hogan comes out, I will boo. I will continue to address it, not only here on One Nation Radio, but in column form and on Twitter. And if you guys want to follow for the jokes and all that, it's underneath. Um, so, I don't know, man. This whole Hogan situation, the more that comes out about it, I feel like the more... Uh, we're going to see people speaking on it because Mark Henry is like the elder statesman, but Titus kind of feels like the leader right now among, you know, the black wrestlers in WWE. It seems like he's speaking for a lot of people. And he's, you know, if you guys listen to that interview on Busted Open Radio, he's like, hey, Mark, I'm going to respectfully d- disagree with you. Like, you're not here in the trenches with me right now. Like, you're semi-retired. So I know what's going on with the New Day, with Cedric, with Sasha, with everyone like that. It's like Titus is kind of the elder statesman now. 
So um, nothing but respect for how Titus O'Neil has handled this. Um, he's been a guy, of course, that in his you know personal life has gone you know above and beyond for the youth in his community, um, in all communities essentially, and has been a guy that hasn't really been given a ton on TV. Uh, but he's always, you know, brought a certain level of entertainment uh, to, you know, what he does. And shouts out to Titus O'Neil. Uh, if he has a shirt out, I will go cop it uh, as a token of my appreciation for him and wear it on One Nation Radio. Um, so I'm going to be looking for that Titus O'Neil shirt. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell, as Tony Savani once said. And I think that this Hogan moment is a lesson for a lot of people that are kind of not really understanding why black people were so mad all the time. This is a perfect opportunity not to like, like not to just ask us why, but you can pay attention because we'll tell you. And if you listen to one nation radio and thank you guys that do, and thank you guys for hitting me up about the show last week that were eager to see what I thought about this, that, needed you know to hear this from our perspective and come here for this stuff because i'm going to give it to you i'm not afraid of shit and i'm ready to go at any motherfuckers like it's like yo this is what i'm passionate about this is what i believe in and this is what's right essentially this is about this is a human decency like if you can't be a decent human what the fuck are you in it for so anyway that's going to wrap up this week on One Nation Radio. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in for another episode of One Nation Radio. Make sure you guys hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you are listening to this in podcast form, if I have to tell y'all again, I am coming through with the right hand um, to backslap you for your for if you have not rated this five stars already. So make sure you help out the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Check out the rest of the shows on the network. Keeping it strong style with Jeremy and Josh. They're killing it with the downloads right now as they're covering the G1. And if you guys haven't seen the G1, it's been flat out amazing. I couldn't even do it justice. I did a preview video and podcast if you want to hear that um, right now and see how I, you know, my picks held up. I think I'm somewhere in the middle right now. But, you know, it would be a good listen. Make sure you guys check out um, Carl and Rance on the Outsider's Edge. Jeremy and Chris over on Grown Men Watch This Shit. And, of course, the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show, our guys over in Scotland. So, my name is Rich. I'm getting up out of here. Almost botched the ending. Have a great week. Um, You never know. I might be back later this week, whatever. You guys will see me uh, possibly Sunday. So, we'll see. Uh, this is Rich. I actually, I will uh, have the Doc Chad Matthews on the show coming up to interview him about his book, uh, The Greatest Matches and Rivalries of the WrestleMania Era. So look out for that coming soon. I'm up out of here. Uh, Hulk Hogan's racist. Fuck him. Um, we out of here. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.